Welcome back to the podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to kind of preface today's content and material and kind of give a little bit of explanation of what we're talking about. So for any, those of you out there, we are going to be talking a little bit about mental health, more particularly what counseling looks like and kind of here in Southwest Virginia. Now, today's content is a little bit different than what we've talked about on previous episodes. Typically, we're in the realms of the arts and the music and outdoor recreation, but Southwest Virginia is a location as unique as its people. That's that's what we say in this show. And we like to talk about people helping people. And I feel like mental health is an area that maybe we could hit on a little bit. And so joining me today is a mental health professional. And we dive into two sides of how mental health works, both the side of being a client with some of my own personal experiences, as well as the mental health professionals expertise there as well. So today's episode, again, is a little bit different, but I think you'll find it very valuable and rewarding. Because at the end of the day, this is all about the people of Southwest Virginia coming together to help one another. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the Stories from Southwest Virginia podcast. Southwest Virginia is a location as unique as its people. And we pride ourselves on rich cultural heritage, food, music, and the arts. Stories from Southwest Virginia tells the stories of this amazing region that we live in. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. So I'd like to thank everybody once again for joining me here on the Stories from Southwest Virginia podcast. I'm very thrilled to be bringing you another episode, and I think this episode is going to be very special to a lot of people out there listening. Uh, today we're talking with Stephanie from uh, Anchoring Hope and Counseling over in Wise County. So we're going to dive into a few of the services they have, learn a little bit more about her and some of the things that they offer over there. And Stephanie, first of all, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm very thrilled to have you, and I'm sure everybody listening would like to learn a bit more about you and everything that you do. So if you wouldn't mind, just to go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, happy to be here. So uh, I'm Stephanie Strauss. I am a licensed professional counselor in the state of Virginia, but uh, my office is located in downtown Wise, right across from the courthouse. So, you know, the, the main area where everybody is. But I can also do telehealth services across the entire state of Virginia. So that's, you know, become really popular since COVID. And it's really opened up opportunities to provide, you know, the services everywhere. But uh, basically, Anchoring Hope Counseling, I founded it in the middle of COVID. COVID. <laughs> uh, so there's just a, that giant need really came out of that. Um, so what I do is I provide therapy services, just individual couples, family, whatever people are needing. I do a lot of work with teenagers, but I'd say, you know, my specialty areas are just trauma, uh, PTSD, uh, anxiety, depression, all, all those things. A lot of times will kind of play into each other, but do a lot of work with a lot of different issues. And I also have another therapist, Jennifer Davis, who does some part-time work for me also. So that's kind of, I guess, that in a nutshell. Any other questions as far as more details that you're wanting? Yeah. So it sounds like you definitely have a wide coverage of things there. And I think, you know, getting started in COVID with all this, I'm, I'm sure you saw a, a very wide and expansive amount of, of business, which for better or worse, you know, I mean, you're doing amazing things, helping people out. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about before we started recording today was that today's conversation is going to be interesting because we can talk about both sides of it. You know, I'm not afraid or 
ashamed to admit that I've been in counseling and therapy before from, you know, experiencing years of trauma and just really severe anxiety to the point that, you know, I was having panic attacks, something that had never mm-hmm. happened to me before. And I think this started in um, late 2018 after the death of one of my family members. And essentially she passed away having a heart attack and it was unexpected. Um, it happened two or three days after I just visited her. And, you know, the first two or three months, it was very surreal. You know, I guess mm-hmm. I was in, in shock and didn't realize that it had happened. It hadn't occurred to me of what had happened. And so about three months later, I guess when everything started to sink in and it became more real, I, for the first time in my life, I started experiencing panic attacks. And the first one I had, you know, I was, I had just made myself dinner. I was getting ready to play some video games with my friend. It was a relaxing afternoon, you know, just mm-hmm. the perfect day. And then all of a sudden, uh, my hands and arms started shaking and trembling. I got these cold sweats and chills. My heart rate started increasing exponentially. And then I got this sense and feeling of just this doom and gloom, like something bad was about to happen. And uh, a part of me was like, oh my gosh, I must be having a heart attack. And I think that Mm -hmm. was my, you know, subconscious or anxiety or conscience mind, whatever it was, uh, kind of starting to deal with the realization of what had happened. And Mm -hmm. so this went on for a while to the point that, you know, I was having to call out of work and miss days of work, or I couldn't concentrate on tasks. Things that made me happy just weren't making me happy anymore. So I started counseling and, uh, mm-hmm. it was a lot of help. It was helpful just to have somebody to talk to that understood, you know, I could talk to friends. I could talk to my, at the time, girlfriend and family members, but it, it wasn't quite the same as talking to somebody professionally. So that's kind of how I got my start in, in, in that side of, of therapy and things. So I guess, is that something that you've seen or worked with is dealing with uh, people in like traumatic experiences and, and teaching them coping ways or mechanisms and ways to get through that? Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that's just grief is such a big one. I mean, there's so much loss right now. Uh, you know, everybody's a lot of, everybody knows someone or has lost someone close to them uh, with something COVID related. So it's really uh, grief is a big deal right now. So yeah, I mean, we'd work with going through those stages of grief. And like you're saying, those first, you know, first few months is just shock. So the first stage of grief is denial. And it's, and that's kind of what's going on. And then panic attacks, a lot of times, whenever it just like you described, you'll ask people, is there anything that happened before the panic attack? A lot of times it's no, there's no idea. They have no idea what it was. But usually it goes back to something that's unprocessed, something that you've kind of bottled up. You haven't been able to get those feelings out about it. So, you know, therapy is a great place to be able to do that, to get those feelings out in a place that, you know, super confidential and a place that a person's trained in how to respond. Uh, I think a lot of times that in, in relationships, people want to, they want to try and help fix whatever we have going on (laughs) but sometimes it's just about listening and being there and and working through those emotions yeah most definitely and kind of leading off of that one of the things one of my counselors told me was that 
especially when we're talking about traumatic events throughout life, that a lot of this stuff can happen in like childhood and it just kind of gets packed away and you forget about it. Next thing you know, 20, 30 years passes by and then something happens. So in my case, you know, when my mother passed away, it, it triggered all these different events happening. And it was like, I started reliving some of my worst childhood traumas too. And she said that one thing that our mind or body does is sometimes during traumatic events, what happens is when the event is happening, we're not actually living through it. Our brain kind of like shuts off and just gets us through mm -hmm. the event, but never actually processes it. And then that stuff right. kind of just gets built up and, and stored away until one day it unlocks. And then that can cause like panic attacks and stuff. So I don't know if you have experience with it, but she brought up to me a type of uh, service called, I believe it's EDMR, where you kind of go back to those traumatic experiences. Is that something that you work with too? or? Yeah, yeah. It's actually uh, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So EMDR, and I am actually trained in that. I'm working to be a certified uh, certified provider for it also. But uh, yeah, that's a really good one for trauma and those unprocessed memories. I, I really love EMDR because it takes like, and, and that's actually something I know we mentioned it before uh, we started the podcast, but uh, that I, I'm doing therapy for. So there's a whole book by the creator of EMDR um, called, well, it's by Franz, Francine, uh, Francine Shapiro. And uh, so she talks about it. It's called Getting Past Your Past. So we did a book club on it. And after about halfway through, I was like, oh my gosh, I could really use, I could use my own EMDR therapy. So I found a therapist and, you know, it's really cool because it's not just for those really, really traumatic memories, like people, you know, things that happen in your life and people like, are like, oh yeah, that traumatic, but these experiences that are just stuck in your brain. So sometimes for, for example, as an adult, we grow up and a lot of times we'll have these negative cognitions, like I'm not good enough, or I have to be perfect, or I'm a failure or just this, you know, feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm going to die or foreboding, like foreboding senses, all these different things that go back to like responsibility, control, survival. And Erickson's stages of development kind of go into these thought processes. And it, a lot of times you can figure out, like if you have that sense of I'm going to die, a lot of times there's some kind of trauma that happened early in life that the person may not even be able to remember. So EMDR is really cool about going into those negative cognitions and those feelings of, you know, I'm going to die or I'm a failure. And then you go back and you pull up all these memories connected to that negative cognition, whatever it is. So we use a thing called a float back technique where we can just you kind of sit there you imagine that thought you imagine the feelings that come up with it and you just and we use um there's a lot of different options bilateral stimulation your eyes move back and forth that's where the eye movement part comes in or uh, we have these things called buzzies and they just buzz in your hands or you can listen to these sounds that buzz back and forth and what that is it's kind of this way to uh, stimulate both your left and right brain at the same time and it helps uh, recall these memories in a different way than if you were just sitting there remembering. So it's really cool. But anyway, so you go back and you make a list of all these different things that happened. But then the really cool part is that you can shift these memories 
you can shift how you feel about these memories in the present to where you can have them and and talk about them without the level of distress that you used to. So it's really cool. We kind of do a scale like zero to 10. How distressing is it now? And, uh, and, and like, say, for example, uh, if somebody says, feels like I'm a failure, a, a way to flip that around to be more adaptive would be, you know what? I'm okay as I am. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be, I'm, I'm successful. It's, it's just something more adaptive, more positive. And then you can, you pull these memories up and you can refile them back in your brain with those positive cognitions attached to it. And so as somebody who's been through the process myself, I can vouch for this. It works. It is a really great therapy. <laughs> That's wild that you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I never actually got to do it. It was something that was big on our list. And we was working up to that point. I don't remember exactly what happened now that uh, I never got to there. But I mean, there's other examples of different type of uh, ways you can work through things too. So another example for me, I had a very traumatic experience on my 22nd birthday where I hydroplaned on the interstate. I barrel rolled my vehicle, thankfully walked out with just a couple of scratches and a bruise from the seatbelt. And that was it. Wow. But yeah, it, it was the the paramedics when they showed up were just astounded to know that I was just standing there in the rain beside this wrecked vehicle. And they were asking me if I had checked on the person inside the vehicle. Like they didn't believe that oh I was the one that had crawled out. But it, wow. it did cause for many years um, a lot of stress driving in the rain, so much so that I would avoid, uh, avoid the interstate. I would take uh, slower speed back roads. And uh, so what I did there was I utilized... I didn't know it at the time, but I was using exposure therapy to work myself back up to being able to comfortably drive on the interstate in the rain. So, you know, I might get on and drive for like one exit um, and not mm -hmm. even think about getting in the passing lane. Or I might drive on a little bit faster of a road than just a normal back road. So over time, I worked myself up to the point where I felt comfortable again to the point today where I don't even think about it. And uh, the same with. Back around 10 years ago, there was a tornado that came through my hometown of Glade Spring. First time I've ever experienced anything like that in my life. And um, mm -hmm. again, not ashamed to say that for probably the better part of three to five years after that, maybe even a little bit longer, I was at the point where if it was going to be a bad thunderstorm at nighttime, I wouldn't go to sleep. So, you know, I was in college at the time. And if that meant staying up to four or 5 a.m., to watch the weather and be on alert, that's what I would do. And in some cases, if the storms were too bad, I would go as far as to sleeping in a closet, like just because I was that terrified of it happening again and not being prepared. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. again, it was just one of those things. Over time, I worked on it. I realized that, you know, this is a pretty rare event in this area. There's a lot of safety precautions and, and meteorology is, you know, very predictive and they're, they're good at what they do. So I just started trusting the system and, you know, now I don't have those fears. So I feel like that's some hopeful things that we can put out to people listening today that, you know, if there is something you're struggling with or dealing with, there's many, many ways you could treat mm -hmm. these things. Um, you know, I've done everything from essential oils to yoga to meditation, uh, journaling, listening to music. And for me personally, you know, sometimes when you're working through your, your stress, your anxiety, your trauma, it can become discouraging because there are so many methods out there to 
try to heal yourself. And not all of them are going to work for everybody. So it's important to find what works for you. I know for me, there was two things, one of which was getting a dog because when I mm-hmm. got her, it took up so much of my wandering mind, um, it, its attention away and focus it onto something else. So that mm-hmm. really helped me, giving me that free time. And then there's something else that's interesting. A lot of people might not know about. There's this type of music called 8D, just the number 8 and the letter D. And I guess it stands for like eighth dimension. And essentially what they do is they take this music and they add lots of reverb and echo to it. But they also do this effect. So it's best to listen to with headphones where the music will pan from left to right and it goes back and forth. So when I listen to it, if I feel a panic attack coming on or high levels of stress, I'll grab my headphones, start listening to this music, and it's like it stimulates my brain in a way that I can't explain because I guess where the music's moving from one side to the other, um, it, it takes my focus away from whatever's causing me a lot of distress and puts it on to that moment. And within five to six minutes, I start feeling a lot better. It's, it's, it's wild how it works. But yeah, that's just from my experiences, I guess, from your side, your professional outlook and even your personal experiences, what are some things that you think would be beneficial to others? Well, I mean, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as every, everybody's going to be different. And it really, you know, some therapists will just practice one specific modality and if somebody goes and they have that therapist and and then they might have this opinion, oh, all therapists can't help me. But it might just be that type of therapy isn't isn't going to work for you. So it's a little bit more about finding what works for you and finding some, a therapist who can provide that for you. But uh, I really like the suggestions that you had. And uh, that's probably one of the things I do a lot of time is just working on develop developing coping skills to be able to get to that point to where it's like, you know what, I I can handle stress. I can handle the things that come up. I can actually deal with emotions because so many times we're, we're raised to think, oh, emotions are bad or we're weak if we show our emotions. So we have to do a lot of uh, unprogramming starting out and learning, Hey, first of all, it's okay to have feelings. And then second of all, Here's some really cool ways of how to deal with that. So that's a lot of times a good starting point for me is just learning, trying out a bunch of different coping skills. And a lot of times I will start like b- before we do the exercise, we'll think of something distressing, we'll rate it zero to 10, and then we'll do different coping skills uh, and figuring out uh, what works for for that person which strategy really works for them like you know some people with panic attacks uh, are it's recommended to do grounding techniques and that's you know pulling in five all five of your senses and doing doing different things so one thing that I like to do with people is just bring up distress and then see we'll try something visually we'll t- we'll try something with smell we'll try something with taste and touch and and a lot of times it's different. It's different for everybody. But I, I guess the strongest ones that I usually see are a, a smell or a taste that can help create um, saliva. And I think that one's really strong just because whenever you create saliva in your mouth, it, it tells your fight, flight, freeze part of your brain 
that, hey, it's okay. I'm salivating. That means I want to eat. And that means I'm not in danger. That's why I think the taste one works really good. But it's just kind of this process of figuring out, hey, what works for you as an individual. Yeah, I can agree with that. I feel like reconnecting with your senses a lot of times helps because I know when, for me, when I get into like these very high intense modes of anxiety, especially leading up to panic attacks. Um, so used to when a panic attack happened, I would just flip out and I would just go into a world of chaos. But I found that, like you said, with the, the smells or the taste of things. So a few things that I've tried that help to kind of ground me back down is, you know, this might not be a good suggestion for everybody out there if you're, you know, have sodium issues, but like having little salt packets, if you start to feel that anxiety coming on, I've even went as far as to dump a little bit of salt to my mouth because that intense mm -hmm. taste of the salt kind of just brings my brain back to, whoa, what's happening? And it focuses you mm -hmm. know, elsewhere. But, you know, I've heard things like lemon juice, um, peppermint. It was good too. But I also used to have this little, like a scent roller. I, I don't know what you would call them, but they're in a little bottle and you can get whatever scent you like. I find that something strong like peppermint works. and you could roll the scent on your hand and then rub your hands together and then just put your hands to your nose and kind of smell it. And just getting that sense of an intense smell like that, um, that would help just to kind of bring me back to reality, I guess, is a way that I mm -hmm. would say that. So, you know, and with me, with counseling and anxiety and stress, I'm not afraid to put my stories out there. I have many times over because one of the things that I felt or in, even still to this day, sometimes feel when I get in high modes of stress and anxiety, sometimes you feel isolated or alone. Like there's nobody in the world that can help you. And you're the only person in the world experiencing that. And, you know, we know that's not true. All of us experience stress and anxiety from time to time. But I think where it becomes an issue is when people maybe are too afraid to reach out for help. Maybe they're embarrassed or they just don't think it's going to work or they don't need it. What are some things you could maybe say to somebody listening that might be listening in today that thinks, you know, they, they don't need this or, or they'd be embarrassed of what if somebody else found out I was going here? What are some words of encouragement you could give them? So maybe they, if they need the help, they could seek that. Yeah. I, you know, everybody does different things. Like sometimes people are more comfortable meeting like, uh, like a video call before they come in person. And I'll, I'll even give them a tour of my office in their first session so they know what to expect their first time but uh, or their second session. And everybody's going to be different. I guess the most general advice I could give is to kind of take a step back from your fears and anxiety for a second and view it like a scientist. So it if that embarrassment's strong or you're scared they're going to do this, you take this step back from the emotions and you, you say, you know what, I'm going to test this out. My hypothesis is that they'll judge me and I'm going to go see if it's true. So then you put yourself in that scenario as a scientist, you're observing what's going on and it kind of helps remove you from that emotional aspect of it. I guess before we do end up wrapping up here in a little bit today, is there anything that I've missed that you feel like listeners should know or anything you'd just like to say about your particular practice or, or the location that you serve? Uh, I did want to say something of whenever it comes to trauma. And I think you'd mentioned earlier about how your body just kind of goes into autopilot mode 
through sometimes traumatic experiences. And there, there's a word for that. It's called dissociation. And so there's two different types of dissociation, depersonalization and derealization. So one is like, you know, out of body experience. And then the other one is this isn't happening. This situation isn't real. It, it's a little bit of the denial. But a lot of times, like if you have so much trauma throughout your life or if you're, if you're in like a chronically uh, abusive situation growing up, you might have higher levels of dissociation because that's just how your mind decided to protect you in that moment. So it's kind of this, this survival mode that a lot of times outlives its usefulness. So it's really cool to go into therapy and, and to work on shifting some of those kind of coping skills and learning different ways to handle it. I think, you know, therapy is amazing. It can do really great things to anybody who's hesitant. I, I guess the biggest thing is, like you were saying, that one of the biggest indicators of success in therapy is a relationship between the relationship between the client and therapist. So every time I have an intake session, I, when I close, I always tell them there's no pressure to go ahead and schedule a next appointment. It, and a lot of times if it's somebody who's underage, I'll say, you all need to go home and talk about this and decide if you want to continue with me or if you want to keep searching. If you want to keep searching, I'll be happy to give you referrals. And I'll tell them the same thing, that 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 relationship is so hugely important in the success. So yeah, I want the best for them, even if it's not with me. Uh, you know, I have another therapist who can help if, if needed. And we have other, some other agency options, but I guess in our area, Southwest Virginia, we're, we, there's still so such a need and there's still such a gap that we need to fill, especially right now. So I'm really happy to encourage and help promote anybody else in our area. But yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing way to look at it. And, and I like the fact of you know, being able to suggest other people because that just shows, you know, you're, you're definitely looking out for the well-being of the person involved. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's 100% what's needed in those situations. So that's a, that's a phenomenal way to have an outlook on these things. And I guess if there is anybody listening that's maybe interested in, in coming to your location, or whether it's through in person or, or the telehealth version, uh, how, how would they go about that? Do they need to just visit the website and put in an inquiry or do they need to call or how does that work? <laughs> Well, if they want to do some research before they actually call, they could go to my website. It's www.ahc, stands for Anchoring Hope Counseling. And so ahchope.com. So uh, they could go there. Or if they just want to give me a call and talk for a few minutes, I do, you know, free 20-minute consultations and just to talk and see about what's going on and see if we're a good fit. So that number is 276-298. Five zero three four, and that number goes directly to me. I really, I really try to pride myself on that personal relationship and and not going through a million people to get to your therapist. So I try to be there for the clients I have. But uh, so those are two ways to reach out for sure. That sounds great. So for anybody listening, if that is something you're interested in, both of those links and the phone number will be linked in the show notes wherever you're listening in. So if you do want to get in contact, all that information will be there for you to click on, go check everything out if it's something you've been looking into. So whether you've been thinking about maybe getting back into something or trying this out for the first time, maybe this is a great spot for you to look. So Stephanie, I appreciate you coming on today. And if 
there's nothing else that you have for everybody today, then I just want to say thank you so much for all that you're doing for everybody that you're helping. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure to take some time to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really enjoyable. I appreciate your time. And also want to do a shout out to everybody on the frontline workers helping through COVID and, you know, helping us all get through this. There's some big heroes out there. So thank you, everybody. Yeah, most definitely. So yeah, thanks to everybody that's been working really hard through this time. It's been definitely challenging for all of us. And then for some of us, especially even more so. So if you have been out there on the front lines, putting forth the effort during this entire pandemic, you know, thank you so much for all your hard, hard work and, and just keep doing amazing things. And also don't forget to take care of yourself, you know, out there taking care of everybody else. Sometimes it's easy to forget about yourself and yeah. So maybe give yourself a break and, and take some rest and relaxation, but thank you all for tuning in today. Hope to see you on the next episode of the stories from Southwest Virginia podcast. And as always be safe and enjoy exploring. Southwest Virginia.